Huddle Around as Climbing the Pocket Network presents Jason and the Boys talking everything Minnesota Vikings. Oh, snap. We are back once again. Got the full crew, kinda. Missing Nick. But we got Big Easy, Miles Flip. Flip rocking to Texas. I'm not sure how to feel about that. But we're here. We're back. We're going to talk some football, maybe a bit of Vikings football, and uh, anything else that comes up here. So uh, as we jump into this, my man, Dr. Eric, how you doing? Have you recovered? Are you still in mourning? How goes it with a few days? Well, I guess with a day and a bit past since, you know, you had to watch your other team lose at the hands of uh, of Brady and the Bucks. Brady's uh, margin of victory in his Super Bowls keeps going up. You know, he had three, 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 four, six, ten, and now twenty-two. Dang. So it's uh, you know it, the guy won't die. Um, <laughs> you know, it was a fun run. Uh, Super Bowl week was different. You know, being home obviously last year was a lot more fun, um, and you know there's. You know, there were aspects of the game that weren't quite as nice with it being sort of like not a close game. Um, but there were a lot of cool storylines. It's good that Antoine Winfield's kid got a ring right away. Uh, Tyler Johnson of Minnesota got a ring right away. Um, and LaShawn McCoy seems like uh, the best ring hunter I've ever seen. Zero snaps and two rings over the last few years. So that those are cool stories. So uh, I wanted to get your your take on maybe the most important story of the night, but I'll come back to that because I want to let Miles and Flip go before I before I set you off here. So uh, Miles, my man, how you doing? What were your All thoughts? Right. Super Bowl, how things turned out? What you taking away from everything? It was kind of boring. Um, would have been. I, I was just hoping for a better game. I mean, um, I was rooting for the Chiefs, but at the, at the same time, I like the Super Bowl to be a good game. It wasn't that, unfortunately. Um, Patrick Mahomes running for his life. Uh, excuse me, watching Vikings Twitter compare the Vikings to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs was something I did not want to see on my timeline during the Super Bowl. But, you know, uh, that's what we did. Um, uh, but overall, like uh, the Bucks and, and uh, Todd Bowles, they, they, they put together an amazing game plan against Patrick Mahomes and they knew how to how to figure them out. And I think. Obviously, the offensive line changes some of that, but overall, um, that was dominance and, you know, something I wasn't expecting to see. Flip, bring us home, man. Yeah, man. I think it comes down to just the legacy, the legacy narrative that we went into the Super Bowl with Tom Brady first pack Mahomes. And Tom Brady is just undeniable. Um, it's a, it, He has incredible best player in the world, best player ever type of numbers, but it's not even all about the numbers with him anymore. Uh, just a, a lot of the things you see him just being a leader, being able to walk into a Tampa Bay locker room, convince all those guys that they were good enough to win a Super Bowl if they didn't believe it already, convince all those veterans to come on board and play for that Super Bowl with him. For him and for it all to work is just incredible. And on the the other side of the ball, I know it's not the 
last we've heard from Pat Mahomes, I think he probably still is overall the the more talented quarterback. But, you know, we had this conversation last year after the Super Bowl where I tried to tell everyone that Pat Mahomes had did not have the the best Super Bowl, even though he had that electric fourth quarter and he won that game. Pat Mahomes struggled against the, a very good 49ers defense as well. And I don't want to say that every NFL team can replicate what the, what the Buccaneers did or what the 49ers did, but you have to ask yourself if, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl in this era, you need a, de- a really good defense. And, and Pat Mahomes, you know, one good quarter out of eight in the Super Bowls, that is something that he's probably going to erase over the next couple of years. But it's um, it's not the immediate rise to stardom that a lot of people had envisioned and that Pat Mahomes probably deserves for how talented he is. So I wanted to just touch on something that you said there, Flip, because... I feel like it's an unfair characterization of like the argument of what it takes to get to a Super Bowl. Cause generally speaking, the teams that make it to the Super Bowl are top 10 in offense and defense. Like the teams that make the Super Bowl are generally good teams, period. Like they're good overall teams. Right. I feel like the argument that tends to be made is that, you know, because the quarterback is so important, offense tends to be a more stable thing to build around. So if you're going to choose one thing or the other, if you're a team who's not really a contending team, you should probably figure out the more stable thing first and then try to figure out the unstable defensive piece next. And so yeah. like, it doesn't feel like a fair well, thing. This like you have to have well, like, what if, some kind of defense. Well, here's the argument, though, because I'll say I'll say this like and I agree with Flip. I mean, the defense. I mean, Tampa was great on offense Sunday. But I think the Chiefs did fine defensively. Like if you would have told me Godwin mm-hmm. Evans would have combined for 40 yards receiving, um, Antonio Brown had a touchdown, but really it was nothing else. Um, you know, it was mostly penalties. I mean, the Chiefs gave up 10 points or 11 points based off of penalties at the end of the half that weren't great. But I thought defensively there weren't catastrophic breakdowns and there weren't like it wasn't a terrible performance by them. It was really. Tampa Bay's defense shutting down Kansas City's offense. But I'll say this. I don't think – so So here's a question. Who's more likely to make the Super Bowl again, Tampa Bay or Kansas City? Because I think when we when we look at this, look, the Chiefs, like the Chiefs are an offside penalty and let's be really honest, a son not causing a humongous distraction the Friday before a game. And we and – we, Thoughts, you know, with that, the little girl there still fighting for her life. Like, they're, I agree with Flip in one regard. The Chiefs are like one good quarter away from being halfway to the Bills, but they're also an offside penalty by D Ford away from that being their third consecutive Super Bowl they've appeared in. And mm-hmm. the game of football is just weird, right? Like, if you, if you take Mahomes two sub 70 PFF grade games and you tell me as a Chiefs fan, they won one of those. I'm actually happy. I, I, I you know, right. that's above expectation. But then the question is, is about, okay, what gives, so as Vikings fans, what gives them the most sustainable chance to win? And the story from this game, because Tampa's defense had Todd Bowles last year. 
They were a top five defense in terms of yards for play last year, top 10. The the the, the thing was Brady, right? Just like and I and right. I'm gonna bring this back to the Vikings. 2008, the Vikings had a top 10 defense. They had Jared Allen, they had Antoine Winfield, they had uh EJ Henderson, they had the Williams Wall, they had the dudes, and they finished 10 and 6. And they couldn't get off the ground with Tavares in the playoffs against the Eagles. They put Favre in, and they're immediately that in that sense. conversation. They were the best football team in the NFL that year, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. And the difference between them and the Bucks is the Bucks seized on the bullshit that these other teams were trying to run around with, right? right. Uh, Green Bay. Look, look Green, they also got some luck. Green Bay didn't have their left tackle in the NFC title game. The Chiefs didn't have their left tackle or the rest of their offensive line in the Super Bowl. The 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 lesson to be learned is to put yourself in the position to capitalize on a great defense and luck, and no one does that without a quarterback of a certain caliber. Uh, yeah, I agree. My my main comment was that again, the narratives of the quarterbacks going into that game, a lot of people would have classified Pat Mahomes as unstoppable on Super Bowl yeah. Saturday. Well, and I mean, going now, into the game, going into the game, he was. I mean, I, I don't think there's right. any any reason to doubt that either. He had won I, all I the agree, but in eighteen months, I mean, right? right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But now, I mean, it it you can you can reason that he is actually stoppable, and that trying to build a defense to stop him not not necessarily for the Vikings, but if I'm the Chargers or if I'm playing Pat Mahomes twice a year. I, I actually can aspire to be able to stop him, even though 95% of teams are going to fail in doing that. Well, so let me bring it back. Know, I want to talk about one thing that Flip just brought up there, because that's the thing, uh, something that is being spoken about a lot is that this shows the importance of these things, or this is how you're going to stop Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, like the injury piece is something that, you know, is being overlooked. I feel sometimes when we talk about like the, the Vikings Twitter kind of argument, bringing this or making it about us part of it. Where like, you know, yes, you can stop Patrick Mahomes if he's missing four of his starting offensive linemen in the Super Bowl. I don't think that is the like the lesson that I would want to take away from it. But it has put or or put some light back on some of the the conversations around the importance of offensive line or like you don't need to have a great offensive line. And so when you have a game like this where you have Tampa that had a great offensive line versus the Chiefs who had a terrible offensive line it can sometimes strip all the nuance out of these conversations that we tend to have around these things. And so, Eric, I guess I'll start with you and then we'll go Miles and Flip. I guess as you look at something like this, which really is a nuanced conversation, like the offensive line one isn't a binary, it's either you have one or you don't, it exists on a continuum, right? So, Eric, I guess, can you maybe try to summarize what the argument that tends to be made around offensive line um, especially as it pertains to the Vikings, because it feels like every offseason, all we ever talk about is the need to upgrade the offensive line, as if the, as if we don't currently have, what is it, the first rounder, second and rounder, a first rounder, first two rounder. seconds. Yeah, and two first high, rounders, two second pro, rounders, and then a bum. But, like, we have... Right, I mean, you look, at, you, look at, you look at the Chiefs starting, line, uh, starting offensive line in the Super Bowl, left tackles Mike Remmers, somebody who the Vikings fans are very familiar with, uh, left guard Nick Allegretti is a seventh round pick in 2019. Center is uh, Austin Ryder is a seventh round pick from Washington in 2015. Uh, Stefan Wisniewski, that was the second straight start for the Chiefs 
in a Super Bowl in a season that he didn't sign with the team until midseason. And then right tackle was Andrew Wiley. I can't remember exactly. I think I believe he was undrafted, but he he might have been later a late round pick. He was the chief starting right guard. He moved to right tackle with the movement of, of Remmers to left tackle. Remmers is start Remmers started basically the entire year for the Chiefs because Mitchell Schwartz, who was their fourth best player on offense going into the year, Jeff Schwartz, brother, former Chief, had or sorry, former Viking. Rem, uh, Mitchell Schwartz had been out since week six. Like this is more. This is more of an argument for Vikings Nation. Rem uh, Reef and Fisher. I know Fisher was drafted number one overall, but like they're basically equally good. They're both average left tackles in the NFL. Uh, you know, on the interior, the Vikings have two bad guards, but they're not. You know, they're they're the same pedigree as the Chiefs have at guard. Center, the Vikings use a first-round pick on Bradbury. And at right tackle, the Vikings have Brian O'Neill. This, the offensive line the Chiefs have been playing with all year, 14-2, and two, uh, you know, one-seed Super Bowl, would be the same kind of idea as if the Vikings lost Brian O'Neill. Just one starter. That would be what it was like. Now, the Super Bowl, the Chiefs played with an offensive line as though the Vikings lost Brian O'Neill and Riley Reef, and also didn't have Bradbury to begin with. That was what the Chiefs were dealing with. And yes, I will concede to every single Vikings fan in the world that if that was their offensive line, they would have no shot. The Vikings have given themselves a shot on offense in the sense that they've put a decent amount of capital into left tackle, right tackle, center, and guard is not necessarily as valuable. And they've hit the nut low on it for sure. There's no doubt about it. But that doesn't you know, but that it's not comparable to what the Chiefs were, were working with, which was, you know, the four of us out there and some, you know, and somebody else off the street like that. It, it was a different and it was a tail event that like was very and we and I, I'm the same way. Like I didn't handicap it as well. I figured Fisher, you know, Renner Remmers had played a decent year at right tackle. I figured he'd at least play a decent game at left tackle. But, you know, we've seen that happen to Remmers before in the playoffs. So. You know, that that was really what was mispriced. But this is the what the Chiefs are dealing with on Sunday is a drastic difference from what even the Packers were dealing with in the NFC title game and what the Vikings have been dealing with basically the whole Zimmer era, except for maybe 2016. 2016 was another level of of awfulness along the Vikings offensive line. And we saw what happened in that year. They could like their offense was absolutely horrible that year, um, despite the fact that Bradford played pretty well. So Miles, what like what do you take away from this when when you kind of feel like, like like see people taking this game as maybe vindication of something for for the Vikings and their offensive line or vindication for Kirk Cousins because the Chiefs O-line played poorly and Patrick Mahomes didn't have a great game. Like what were your takeaways from all of that? Well, I mean Eric Eric hit on a lot of it. I mean and and you did too before we even started this. Like the Vikings have invested a lot in their offensive line. I think a lot of the issue that you're seeing with where the Vikings have invested is the de- the lack of development of true development from the, especially in the interior they've done a good job at, at uh, tackle, um, but at the same time it's philosophy. I, I feel like a broken record. I, I I retweeted Flip the other day. He was talking about the offensive line. And I said it's a philosophy issue. Like the 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 Chiefs are a a team that focuses on the pass. They use the run game as something just to help staple as a staple just to get themselves moving. Like. They don't, they don't really rely on the run game. They rely on Patrick Mahomes and their quarterback to make plays, and then obviously the playmakers they have around him. They rely on that as their focal point in the offense. So 
they don't care as much about how good their run block, their offensive line is at run blocking. They care how good those guys can be in pass pro. And if they can at least do their assignments uh, and then they're like, Pat, do the rest. I should say Patrick his, his mama yell at me. Um, and then, uh, and then there's uh, the Vikings. The Vikings have invested heavily in the offensive line, but the main focus that they've done on the offensive line has mainly been about the run game. And so everybody gets all, all upset about the fact that yes, I believe the Vikings need to upgrade their offensive line. That's a fact. The offensive line needs to be better. The players that they've brought in, especially on the interior, need to be better. Like, that's a fact. But at the same time, to compare what the Vikings do to what the Chiefs do, it's just not, it's just not in the same realm. If the Vikings were a straight drop-back pass, shotgun, you know, your quarterback's controlling the ball 95% of the time, and you're not relying on your running backs in the run game as, as often, I'd understand the frustration from Vikings fans if the pass, if the pass pro was really bad. But the Vikings have... The last three seasons, they've they've decided that this is the way that they want their offense to run, and so when they prioritize smaller, quicker, um, run blocking type offensive linemen, they don't seem to care as much how good they are in, in pass pro. And so, if the Vikings aren't going to change their philosophy, stop getting mad at them, or stop getting mad at I don't even know who they should like. Stop getting mad at the well, it's a at simple the arithmetic. That, well, it's, they're, they're really. mad. They're mad at the arithmetic, right? Because right. Like, mm-hmm. cause, and and I, I just wrote an article today about Justin Fields. I feel like Justin Fields, uh, and again, this is just this is just a fantasy at this point. But if you put Justin Fields on the Vikings, and you use Kirk's money to build an offensive line and and maybe one more weapon, right? Like a weapon. like a Debo Samuel type player for that offense, and the offensive line doesn't work. I think you can. I think you can kind of. You can say, "Look, you are really bad at allocating your resources here. You you, you right. deserve a slap in the hand." When you spend the money they spend on Kirk Cousins and the defense to a certain degree, I mean, like I love Anthony Harris as a player; he's a great story. But using the franchise tag on him, especially in hindsight, was just an egregious move. When you know you had so many holes on the rest of the roster, if you if you go if you skimp on the quarterback, and I mean skimp as far as salary, not on you know, talent. If you skimp on the quarterback and then you make a bunch of bad decisions along the offensive line in free agency, then I think that deserves some issue. The the fact that you're dealing with Josh Klein's of the world and the fact you're dealing with draft picks that, you know, like Drew Simi is a fourth round pick, the hit rate is not that high. But you have to you have to take a stab in the dark on that because of what's Kirk what Kirk's making. And so you expect imperfection in that group. Right, because you're paying for perfection right. in another group. If you're, if you bring along a rookie, that's why. Look, that's why the conversation about Goff flips the switch when he signs a deal. That's why the conversation about Wentz flips the switch when he signs a deal, and that's why it will change for Mayfield. It will change for Josh Allen. It'll change for Lamar Jackson, and it already has changed for Patrick Mahomes. Once you once you pay for that certainty then your standards for the rest of the team go down and they have to. But and even and the, and the blame gets concentrated on where the dollars are spent and that's at the QB position. Well, and my issue so, too is, and the, the Vikings brought in Kirk Cousins to help alleviate pressures elsewhere. At least that's what the idea is when you pay a quarterback that much money is yep. you're coming in here to be paid to make everyone else better or at least make certain parts of what we do better. And so what Kirk needs to be better at is helping his offensive line. We talk about this all the time. Sacks are a majority of a, a quarterback's a rate 
pre- pressures are a little different, I'm sure. No, but, but but in terms of sacks, but though, but the overall idea flip is the idea that it's the fact that uh, Kirk Cousins is being paid at a certain rate where he needs to play above some of the lesser talent that he has around him at the offensive line, and and yet still the Vikings have invested heavily to try and protect. I'm not saying they did it right. I'm not saying they, they brought the right guys in, but at, at the end of the day, at, at some point we need to hold our quarterback to a higher standard to what, to what his level of play needs to be at for what they're doing around him. That's just, that's now, just where I'm we've, at. we've already talked too much about offensive line because <laughs> of the Super Bowl. Look, the chiefs lost by 22 points. And what's amazing in this entire conversation is nobody's mentioned the Buccaneers back seven. And, oh, you know, fantastic. you know, Pat Mahomes knew going into that game, a reporter asked him, what's the number one thing you got to do to win against this defense? And he's like, I got to get the ball out of my hands quick. The Chiefs were planning for pressure. They were planning to win on quick routes. They were planning to win against press coverage. And Tyreek Hill and Nicole Harmon weren't good enough to do it. It was amazing play by the Buccaneers linebackers, amazing play by their safeties and secondary. And so they didn't lose that game only because of the offensive line. Oh, I, I mean, you you look at the wide receiver drops and then you flip up to the other side of the ball. That that touchdown before halftime was an absolute dagger. So the nuance here is that there were multiple different things that mm-hmm. led to that loss. It wasn't while the offensive line. Yes, it was maybe the primary factor it wasn't the only factor let me you can only count the one though but but you you guys see see where the the, this is this comes back to minnesota too because you look at you look at the teams that have struggled this year take seattle seattle's brilliant with metcalf they're very very good with Lockett at the third receiver spot you know what i'm saying that and good defenses good defenses the brandon staley la defense the Tampa Bay Bulls defense, it, they're evolved enough where they can stop two elite targets now. You need a third guy. And, and that's what I was going to say. a failed pick. Watkins is a failed signing at this point. Hey, Watkins has been up and down. He wasn't healthy in that game. But you look at Minnesota and you say, okay, like most defenses suck against the Vikings because most defenses can't stop two elite targets. But the right. really good defenses, and that's why you saw against Tampa Bay right out of their bye the first game on their eight-game win streak, right? Kirk was facing pressure. Kirk was under siege the whole game. And that's because in on the margins, when they can lock down, and I mean lock down in a, in a, in a soft sense, but like they can t- make you pat the ball a little bit when you want to throw to Jefferson or to Thielen, and your next best target is a developing tight end or Chad Beebe or Olby Johnson. Beebe. Mm. You're, you're just not, you're not going to win in the NFL. Well, that's what I, I was going to bring flip. That's what I was going to bring home with, with your last point here Yeah, is how good the Bucks uh, back seven was. It's right. to the fact that the chiefs, what we're likely going to see from the chiefs this off season is everybody's going to talk about their offensive line. They're going to go get another weapon for Patrick Mahomes. That's what they're going to go do. Rather than say, we need to go get another offensive lineman, a left guard. They're going to say, well, instead of that, we're going to, we're going to affect the impact defenses by grabbing another weapon because we need to know Hardman isn't a true number two receiver. He's more of like a third receiver gadget guy, and that's how we need to use him. We can't be relying on him to be our second wide receiver uh, when we need Travis Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill to do everything else. So right. we're going to do a little bit more to add to that to that room, and that's what we're going to see from them. Whereas the Vikings, they take the opposite approach where they say, well, we need to fix the offensive line, and everything else will, will, will put itself in place 
and we'll roll out BC, uh, Ole B.C. Johnson or Chad Beebe as our third receiver and we'll be just fine. And we've seen time and time again where that has not worked. It has continuously against good defenses hurt them in the past game. The reason the reason why I disagree there is because when we when we make all this fuss about fixing the offensive line, it's really just frustration over the past few years. If you if you look at this year, the Minnesota Vikings to fix on the offensive line is easy get, as apple get the, pie. So get like what Dozier are we talking about? Get Dozier <laughs> out of here. Keep reef the offensive line is fixed. So we don't need to make this huge deal about fixing the offensive line for the 2021 offseason. Yeah, and, but, and get a third wide and get a third and fourth wide receiver. That's the yeah, key. But, is they need I mean, to build, is, they yeah. need to build their weapons. And, and and leave and and the problem is is I also think the issue the problem is is the way that we orient our criticism of Kirk Cousins because you know Cousins I'll say it Cousins had a terrific year like he mm-hmm. and he's pretty pretty damn good for two years now but the problem is is that comes at a cost and you know they run the football in early downs and they give him a lot of third and longs and I think relative to every other quarterback in the league except for maybe. Mahomes on long yard situations, he's excellent. I mean, he makes plays. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is you're playing a different game. When you don't take the easy throws on, er- on early downs, or, you know, you don't, it, it, the when the run pass balances, you're, you're, you're comparing an offense where you do better relative to expectations, but the expectations set you back a little bit. That's why, you know, when we look at this team and we say, why are they fifth in yards for play? And why are they X, Y, and Z, but they're 11th or 12th in points per game? It, it's it's those kinds of things where they're, you know, and it's part of its noise, but it but it's also, it's those kinds of things where they're just not, you know, the scheme slash the quarterback are kind of, are, are missing things at the margins, right? Like Kirk, if you look at like the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, in terms of pressures we chart to the QB, it's a bunch of athletic quarterbacks in Kirk. You know, so there are just there are these marginal things where the the team has to ask more out of their quarterback, and it's got to be okay for for fans and analysts to say, "Look, Kirk Cousins is a great quarterback, but he's a he's a great quarterback the same way Dave Craig was a good quarterback, and Dave Craig didn't win a damn thing because you know he took too many sacks, he fumbled too much, he he wasn't he didn't come up big in big games, and to me, again, if I'm if I'm the Vikings. We already know the hay is in the barn here. They're playing with him this year. So, Pat, to Flip's point, get yourself a guard. To Miles' point, get yourself a wide, a couple good wide receivers. Pull back the reins a little, you know, on the run game. Like, let Clint be less of a Kubiak and more of a DeFilippo. Not full DeFilippo. We don't want that. But Never a, but go let him be a little bit of a DeFilippo. <laughs> and, and see what you have. Because really the only thing, like, do we really want to, for the next five years, Kirk to put up great statistics, the Vikings not to win a damn thing, and be arguing constantly about whether or not he's any good? No. And and the one team that we want to to emulate out of that is Buffalo. Buffalo put every single thing in front of Josh Allen and said, look, whether Josh is good or he's ass, we're going to know. And I want, like, to me, like, that's, I think, what the Vikings have failed to do with Kirk. And I, I think it's obviously part of the, the the different incentives between the Bills, who have a great coaching staff, who's going to be there forever, who, you know, McDermott signed an extension before this year. 
he's going to be around for a while. He can, he can, you know, he can, um, you know, uh, survive a quarterback, a, a redo at quarterback. Zimmer and Spielman can't. And so what they do is that they're, from my perspective, their main focus has been to win that signing more than it has been to win football game, you know, football games and win divisions and stuff. And to me, at some point, you got to stop. You got at some point, you got to make the objective that that other thing, which is to win an NFC North that is profoundly winnable. The Bears are asked, the, the Lions are asked, and the Packers are going to be starting Jordan Love soon. Like the time is now. So, Flip, I have a question for you because, uh, like. Again, the Kirk Cousins thing, it's more of a nuance to like, you know, Kirk bad, you know, Kirk good. Like, how good does Kirk need to be, given what we expect out of the rest of this team, like, in the next couple of years? So, like, the defense, they'll make some strides. We hope. We we hope. Again, like, I know, like, as fans, we tend to just assume that every player is automatically going to be better the next year than they were in this year. And so that all of the young guys in the secondary are obviously going to be great going into year two and we're going to get some guys back. The team's going to be healthy. So the defense won't be as bad. How good does Kirk need to be? Because I hear a lot of like Kirk Cousins, is a top 10 quarterback. And honestly, when you look at it, it feels like top 10 is almost become a meaningless designation. Like you have the elite and then you kind of have a bunch of guys who are good. Like how, 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 how much out, more do we out, need out of Kirk? Out, yeah to really be considered like a contending team from your perspective as we get into next year. I just, I, I can't, we don't need anything more from Kirk in in this context. I mean, he's already fought through some pretty adverse circumstances. Yes. He's had really ugly. He's had two stretches over the last two years. Overall, he's played great with two really ugly stretches outside of those stretches He's been phenomenal. And so it's it's look, get this guy a guard, draft a mid-round receiver, and loosen up the play calling. And if Kirk can't succeed, if, if he can't improve and, and get to that top seven, top five level after you do all those things, then yes, we can talk about Kirk not being good enough. We got to take the limiter off. The issue with the Kirk Cousins signing in 2018 is the Vikings didn't build around him. You know, we were basically a Teddy Bridgewater built team that had Sam Bradford for a year and then and then Case Keenum for a year. And then we basically tried to drop Kirk Cousins in to an offense with a new coordinator. But then we ran everything through Dalvin Cook. It has taken the Vikings three years to properly build an offense around Kirk Cousins. Whereas other teams, you know, you look at Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, you look at Josh Allen, the second they get that quarterback in the building, they're building around him. So now, yes, it's taken the Vikings too long, but where they're at now with the offense, it's working. So you get a a mid-round receiver, you get the trash bag to go to Dozier off the offensive line, and you you let it rip. You let those deep shots to Justin Jefferson start going again. You involve Dalvin Cook in the screen game. And I think the offense can hold up as long as we make all three of those changes rather than one of them. So, Miles, with the uh, the coaching changes that have been announced, yeah. 
what what is your level of confidence that you know rich is really the key thing that, that the flip's saying there is like i i suspect that they can find someone better than dakota than dakota dozier to play guard i certainly hope so uh you know they they should be able to find someone especially this offseason who can be an upgrade to what we had as like our third weapon uh last year how confident are we that you know clint kubiak and uh, I believe his first stint now as as OC is going to have the free reign to open up the offense, given that I know Flip doesn't love this line of, of reasoning and thought, but given that Zimmer is very vocal about how he would prefer his teams to win football games. So Flip says we need to open it up. How confident are you that Clint Kubiak is going to be the man to be able to do that? I don't think it's not Clint that I'm worried about. It's to your point. I think Mike Zimmer, we've seen Mike Zimmer with, with even Kevin Stefanski and we saw it with John D Flippo and I'm not trying to defend John D Flippo, the bad I'm trying to defend the idea of what John D Filippo tried to bring to the Vikings is the fact that he understood prioritizing the past is a, is a smart way to go about, go about it. And that's not to say that's best. That's Kirk's best approach. I think the, the, like, Outside zone scheme, the play heavy play action is very much where we found where that's Kirk's sweet spot. I, I, I'm, I'll concede to that. But I think the idea of what John D. Flippo tried to bring in was that if we build around our weapons and our quarterback, I think you're going to see more overall success. I, at least that that's where I think I thought the approach was where, where he was taking. And and to Zim's point, he didn't run the football enough. And so I'm not saying I disagree with some of that, but Zimmer's whole approach is run and be conservative with the football because you can't create turnovers. So Clint Kubiak's going to come in and make sure, and Zim's going to make sure that Clint Kubiak doesn't, his offense isn't committing a lot of turnovers, being high variance. They're not, they're not getting a lot of third um, three and outs and, and those things because he wants to make sure whatever, whatever his offense is doing, it's for the, it's in the best interest of his defense. And so that's, that's the, that's the Zim's biggest key is controlling the clock, controlling, controlling the the ground game by doing that with with the ground game. And so where my issue lies is if he allows Clint even just a little bit of wiggle room to open things up, maybe like to your point, bring in another third receiver more often than the two, three tight end sets, those types of things where you're running more play action. I think uh, the play, the amount of play action the Vikings ran in 2020 was uh, a lot lower than what they did in 2019, if I'm not wrong. Um, and so I think, just more often running more play action, running more uh, three receiver sets, doing those things where you're um, you're making the, the the defense guess a little bit more of what you're trying to do. And I think at times Gary didn't really do that. I think Gary was very focused on running his plays and with his offense, they're successful. And, and to his credit, the pass game was, was pretty good in terms of yards per attempt, yards per completion, and those things to Jefferson and Phelan. But when they ran into really good defenses – what we found out again is when the run game isn't working and you and the defenses are focusing on on your two receivers, where else are you going to go? And so the hope is Clint can come in and, and and speak a little bit more to that and and speak up and say, hey, we, we ran into a lot of these issues against good defenses in 2019 and 2020. What I'd love to see with my offense moving forward is a little bit more of a forward thinking type of strategy. Now I don't know if I expect it to happen. I'm not going to expect anything unless we see them invest, let's say a high round pick on a, on a wide receiver or uh, in free agency or something like that. Otherwise I won't really expect them to change their, their overall philosophy, but um, that's where I guess I'm not really 
I'm not really <laughs> certain or like expecting anything out of Clint Kubiak besides more than what we saw from from his dad in, in 2020 and way before that, all the 25 plus years he's been a coach. Do I need to start making a 2022 draft guide then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's the coach? I mean, but, I, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Clay. Oh, I was just going to speak to your point, Eric, earlier. Just like the Vikings are are making moves on these one-year windows. They're looking one year into the past. Yes, thank They're you. They're looking one year in the future. They, if if the Vikings were a free throw shooter, they'd be Shaquille O'Neal. Just every shot at the playoffs is just this flat ass at the rim beeline. Where you look at you look around the league, like the Saints were, the Saints were trying to win a Super Bowl every year with Drew Brees, and they never got there. But they made the playoffs every single year. Um, same same with. The, what the Green Bay Packers have started to do, what the Los Angeles Rams have tried to do. Those teams are trying to win Super Bowls and making the playoffs has just been a consolation prize, almost an expectation for those teams because they're trying to win the whole shebang. The Vikings, on the other hand, are just trying to make the playoffs. And when you just try to make the playoffs, you're not setting your set your sights high enough. You're not being aggressive enough to actually get into the big dance every single year. Yeah, I mean, the saving grace for Minnesota is that the Bears are doing the exact same thing. And <laughs> Detroit <laughs> Detroit is at least starting over, but and so that gives the Vikings a little bit of a head start. Um and Green Bay, I think I think we're you're we're going to be surprised about Green Bay. As high as I was, as low as I was in the Vikings going in to 2020 relative to Green Bay, I'm going to be a little bit more. I think they're closer actually now. Um, Green Bay, I mean, you can't have drafts like they just had and win long term. So the thing with the Vikings, and the, and that's what I think. If you you know if you're rooting for them to win the Super Bowl over the next few years, that I think is what the catastrophic thing is, which is. The the division, what do all these really good dynasties or budding dynasties? I'm not gonna call the Chiefs a dynasty. They're they have a chance to be one. You know, it's as we found out on Sunday, it's a lot lower of a chance than that. And Flip, I think, gets credit for pointing that out. It's a lot lower of a chance than we think. But what do all these sort of budding groups have? The Patriots had the AFC East by the balls for 15 years. Um the Chiefs have like the Chiefs have lost like three division games the last five years that they've tried to win. Um, you know, when you also you look at uh, you look at Tampa Bay. So the Saints are going to be, you know, Jameis is going to be their starter next year. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen in Carolina and Atlanta is picking fourth this year. Like they're going to be fine, I think. But like Tampa has a chance to like own that division for at least a couple more years with Brady. The Vikings, if they make a couple good moves could own this division for years. The yes. problem is they're unwilling to to sort of take a step back and take a step forward, if you know what I mean. Like, And maybe not win it this year, but win it like for the next five or six years by sort of making, to Flip's point, the goal of the Super Bowl and not necessarily the goal to save our jobs. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, and it, yeah. it takes just like the big risks, like the the Josh, we have Josh Allen. Let's build around him before we even we're even sure he's good type but of But he's risk. not making any money. Or, so, so it's easier to do that, Flip. No, it's 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 not easy to have confidence in a quarterback before you're sure that he's good at football. That's not what that's, I'm trying to say. I'm saying that's the hardest they thing have to do. they have the opportunity to put more investment around him through free agency and trades because they don't have to pay their the player that will be their highest paid player. Right, but the, the Vikings like, problem isn't putting assets around, it's a risk issue. They're conservative in their offensive philosophy and they're conservative in their goals for the year. So Vikings fans in general right now are reasonably happy because we were only expecting 10 and six and we got seven and nine. That's a completely different narrative from a team that is expecting 13 and three and went 17 and went seven and nine. So like if we're shooting for the top, then we're going to have to do risky things to get there. And the yeah, Vikings don't even want to start to have that expectation on them. Yeah. They're worried about going 4-12 and 12 and losing all their jobs, which, yes. the, to your point, uh, Miles, the Bills, the Bills had shown enough as an organization and their general manager and owner had seen it. Like, they gave McDermott a, a contract extension preseason yep. before Allen had ever played well, ever played well. So if Allen goes out there and stinks it up in this year and they have to go back in the draft, at least McDermott knows that, like, I took a swing of the bat and I went about it the right way. The problem with the Vikings is there's always that wonder about, you know, are they doing things to conserve a certain amount of competence that the right people will be satisfied with? And unfortunately, I think, I mean, I'm 35 years old. I'm 30 yeah. <laughs> I'm 35 years old and they've had this season was probably what the fifth worst that they've had in my lifetime. I mean, 01, 02 yeah. uh 2011 was terrible. 2011 2013, 2013 was 5 10 and 1. 2014 was 7 and 9. It was like a good 7 and 9 cuz Teddy showed promise. But it, it right like right, they had a six and ten year in nineteen ninety. I was you know barely coherent then, and then basically Dennis Green had winning seasons or better every single year of his tenure. Oh one, he got fired at five and eleven. Then got, Tice was and then he got fired. Isn't that the craziest one part? Year. Yeah, that yeah, that was this Corey Stringer die. Yeah, that was I agree. Like Denny, I know. And, and there was there was also the the racist thing too, where like you know yeah. Denny they tolerated Denny because he was great. And the moment he wasn't great, they, you know, but then there was, it was Tice and then, and Tice was basically a 500 coach. You know, mm-hmm. I guess the first year Childress was six and 10. So this season's probably what a, a bottom 20th percent, 20 percentile for my lifetime. But like the top 20 percentile, there's not that many years where they really sniffed the Super Bowl either. It's a lot of, you know, we're playing relevant games in January seasons, right? Mm-hmm. But that, at some point, that's not good enough for people anymore. Like, right. well, and, you know, and at at what point, like, so we we're we, we're making fun of the New Orleans Saints right now because of the cap hell they're in. We're making fun of the the Eagles because of the cap hell they're in. But the one thing that I'll give both those franchises is they they were like, we're going all in. Like, I yes. understand that the bill is going to come due. 
I understand that it might not work. And like for the Saints, the, the Eagles, it, it worked out. They won a Super Bowl. The, the Saints, it didn't. Unfortunately, I understand, you know, things happen. But they were willing to push yeah. that needle and say, we're going we're gonna to forfeit a, a couple years down the road because we know what we have right now. And that will, def- it will, def- that, that will fade at some point. Like the Vikings were in a situation in 2016, 17, 18, where they had a loaded roster and they brought Kirk Cousins in and they said, well, we'll just add another piece here and we'll be fine. And rather than saying, well, let's dip in a little further and say, let's get even better and let's push ourselves even further. But I felt like their expectations were, well, we already, we got there once. So we'll just be able to do it again through status quo. Status quo has proven that it's not going to work for this team. So at what point am I going to see this team say, let's forfeit a little bit of the future for right now because we have an opportunity. I'm not saying they have to do that now. I kind of think they've they've missed that window a little bit. They got to rebuild this roster back up with talent. But it's not a little bit, Miles. It's you're right. You're right. But at the, <laughs> but at the same time, like like I wouldn't have been mad at the Vikings if they were coming into tw- the 2021-2022 season with a little bit of a question mark everywhere because they had decided the 2016, 17, 18 whatever seasons were the ones where they were like, we're going all in. We're going to forfeit a little of the future because we have a shot right now and see where it takes us. But they, they, they haven't done that. I understand they view Kirk, they view Kirk as that they view Kirk as like their home run swing type of thing. But they like to flip's point, they haven't truly said, Hey Kirk, lead us to the promised land. They said, Hey Kirk, whoa, 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 dial it back. We got to do things our way and we feel like it's going to work and it hasn't. It was more like a Jason Tyner swing than anything. Um, if you remember old, uh, old I do. I don't think I don't think most uh, of you guys do, but I do. The uh, the thing, and I I go on uh, you know former Saints quarterback Bobby Aber show every Tuesday, and when they lost to Tampa, he was like, "Okay, what can we do? What can we do to be to contend again next year?" And I'm like, "Dude, it's over. You can't. <laughs> yeah. It's over." And I said, "You and took I, your, and I said, you took your like, cut." You're you're a hunt. You're eighty million dollars over the. I can't remember exactly which team is eighty million dollars. I think it's them. And it's I go, them, but with the Bree, with the Bree situation, they've helped themselves. But yeah, yeah, but I and I was like, you you know, Sean Payton played the long con on all of us really well, which was we're gonna play Taysom, we're gonna make the whole league believe Jameis stinks, and we're gonna get him for four million bucks a second time around, and. Now we have basically another first round pick at the QB position, right? Because you know, Jameis led the league in passing two years ago. And for whatever reason, he couldn't get and and the the worst thing he knew he could win with Taysom Hill. So he played Taysom Hill, but now next year he's gonna and I and I was explaining this. He's like, Oh, can we trade for Derek Carr? Can we trade for Matthew Stafford? I'm like, Are you insane? It's over, Johnny. Like it's yeah. over, dude. It's it's <laughs> over. And the and the biggest mistake that the Vikings have made has been the same thing in many ways, right? So 90, 98, I think I'll give them a mulligan for, but they signed Randall and, and this was at the time a huge deal. Five years, 25 million for a guy, Randall, two years prior had been uh, building aluminum, ca- building cabinets in Las Vegas. And then he comes in and then he's a, the, the MVP of the league as a backup for Brad. You know, Robert Smith was off injured. He finally had a year where he was healthy. You had the best rookie season we've ever seen a wide receiver play. You had an offensive line that was healthy for every game. 
and you had a defense where that was bad, but you had a bunch of pick sixes by Jimmy Hitchcock. Like none of that was ever going to be returned. And I know it sucks to look at your fan base and your players and say, right, that was our shot. We blew it. But that's, but, but chasing has always been the problem. 2010, they chased, right? Like 2010, they were the best team in the NFL, but you can't expect Brett Favre to come back and play that way again. And then obviously you had the, the Sidney Rice hip injury. You had yeah. Percy Harvin had a great rookie year. You had to expect some regression there, et cetera, et cetera. Defense was old, right? Hung around, played well, but got old really fast. 2018 mm. was almost the same thing. And I know it's it sucks, That's- right? It sucks to look to look at the team and say and look at fans and say, This was your shot and you blew it. Let's I can't wait for our next one. But like every single time, like sort of doing that, and the Saints have done it for three consecutive years. Yep. And and mm-hmm. and they have nothing to show for it at the back end. And look, I'm happy, you know, as somebody who likes watching Breeze play a little, like it got worse and worse and worse. And it what and and ultimately it just the bill became bigger and bigger and bigger to the point now where like they're gonna have to basically bottom out for two straight years. Right. But it's I think it's still worth it. If you're a Saints fan and you're sitting here in 2023, you yeah. understand the two bad years you just went through because of the four playoff contention years you just had. And yep. if anything, if you're a Saints fan, you're blaming the crap-ass refs rather than um, any type of team-building strategy for why you didn't get your Super Bowl. I mean, I look at the Los Angeles Rams trained for Matt Stafford, and if you had to tell me if I think that trade is going to result in a Super Bowl, I would probably say no. But yeah. you asked me my opinion on off. that trade. I love that trade. That is all in. That is no doubt. That is communication to everybody in your building. We're trying to win a Super Bowl either next year or the year after that. No ifs, ands, or buts. Well, and we, and, and we talk about and we talk about the right. long con of like fired if you don't right. And right. You're fired. Or, yeah. right. Exactly. Or we talk. We talk. We talk about like taking advantage of a roster. It's really hard to find elite level players all over your roster. Like the Vikings were one of those rare teams in 2017 where they had elite, almost a mo- majority of like their receivers like everywhere. Their, their, yeah. their, uh, mm-hmm. They had it on D line, linebacker, like uh, DBs. They had it a little bit of everywhere. That's a rarity. So when you can have elite level type of players that a little bit of almost everywhere across, spread out across your roster like that, you go all in. So, like to your point, the Rams. Well, they got Rams Kirk Cousins. Ramsey. Kirk, sure. We, sure. That was them going all in. <laughs> now, it, it was, but that's also thinking that everything else was just going to stay the same or st- like, stay that's, as, as that's elite. What the Rams are doing that too. No, right? They they are, but <laughs> they they're they're. I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but at the same time, at least I don't think the Rams are done though. I don't think the Rams are going to say Matthew Stafford, you're it, and then let's ride. I think the Rams are still going to say, how else can we improve? And they're going to try to improve other places across their roster. That's no, just but what they like, do. but like McVeigh is gone. Like, and that's that's my issue with 2018 is right. you make that you make that all in move. The the understanding the understanding needs to be if we don't win, no ifs ands or buts. People are yep. losing jobs, and that's where the Vikings failed. Is after we went all in, and after we failed. There was this, well, but 
let's just keep everybody and see what happens here. So cool. like there was there was no guillotine on that build, and here we are just dealing with it <laughs> two years later. Flip's been ready since like week two. Yeah, fire everybody. Everybody. All right, well, fellas, it's been good to get back on here talking football with y'all. And uh, we got a long off season. We'll try to make at least one or two of these off, like yeah, a, we, an optimistic we show. Get we some... might even make Flip. We might even make Flip do a mock draft at some point in here, just to really make him right. Right. We didn't even right. talk about the co- we didn't even talk about the coaching changes. We didn't even talk. about We were supposed to Kirk... get Viking Jerome's questions the, answered. The Kirk, the Kirk trade. Clint Kubiak Kirk got trade. y'all way too excited tonight, and we talked I, uh, to you all the time. I wrote in my article, and I couldn't believe I was writing it. I said the next real like, now. There's FCS games on, by the way. If you want to bet oh, on football, right. FCS is playing start. in the spring. But I wrote my – the next real football game is seven months from now. It's like – Yeah, that's We're going to have to get some more Yinka flag football highlights out there for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, y'all, let, let us know what topics we should actually talk about next show. We promise we'll get to them. Yes, drop them in the comments. We will get to them next time. Vikings, Jerome, as always, thanks for coming through. Eric, Miles, Flip. David, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you soon. David, play the music. Skull Vikes. First off, join us tomorrow night for Vikings Happy Hour when uh, a few of us get together, drink a little good beer, and talk more Vikings football. Same time, same channel. See you there. Skull, everybody. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Goal, everybody.